Welcome to Season 5 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise in facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the latest conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Chair and Associate Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University, and we are both thrilled to talk to each other today. Every now and again, Dan and I will have an episode where it's just the two of us talking either about a topic we know a lot about or just, in this case, previewing or or wrapping up our uh, season. And so today we're going to focus on that. Does that sound good, Dan? I think it works out okay. Let's do this thing. (laughs) So before we get into our podcast season, we thought maybe we'd share a little bit about our semesters. So we both teach in colleges. I'm in Philadelphia. Dan is in Maine. Um, This semester, I returned to campus for the first time. So all of last year, I was virtual. Um, This time, I taught on campus in person two days a week, taught three undergraduate classes. And then I have one class that I teach online in the evening. That class will, will more than likely stay online simply because it's a sports PR class and we can get sports professionals from all over the country to come into that class. And so that format worked, but for the classes I taught on on campus, I was really happy to be in person. I also had entering this semester, I have administrative responsibilities as we all have as a part of our service. And this semester I had a little bit more since I had a colleague who was out sick towards the end of the summer. Um, I picked up some of uh, those responsibilities so he could focus on uh, returning. Luckily for us, he came back full swing, uh, sending emails, scheduling meetings and, you know, leading, leading our faculty group. I also, if I didn't have enough in working on my dissertation, I'm in the middle of chapter two. Um, I'm looking at what did instructors experience uh, as in teaching during, uh, since the start of COVID, and then kind of what strategies did instructors use to foster positive interactions. So we know faculty members were uh, influenced by everything from COVID to racism, to the economic situation. And so I'm looking at what kind of, how did those experiences show up for them in the classroom? And then last, I started a business. A colleague and I started a partnership where we work with sports personnel and coaches. A lot of the work that we do kind of overlaps some of the stuff that I do in the classroom. It's just, you know, getting people to communicate who they are as leaders um, to other people. And so a lot of our work is centered around, we know that these sports professionals are doing great work. How can we make sure that they are sharing that in ways that are compelling, but also authentic? And so that's, that's what I've been up to this semester. Dan, what have you been up to? Oh my goodness. Not much, not much. You know, the, the the faculty life is, (laughs) you know, we just smoke our, what do we do? We smoke our pipes and our tweed jackets and then hang out. And no, it's, it's been, uh, it's been interesting getting, getting back into some of the swings of things with returning to campus and at some points. And so I'm teaching our graduate seminar in leadership theory, that is a, uh, we, we integrate both our master's students and our doctoral students, although there's slightly different syllabi for, for the two of those groups. And that's been a blended class. We were doing synchronous learning, I guess, back before it was cool, as they say. Um, and, but 
pre-pandemic, we usually had about a 50-50 split of students that would come to the, the on-campus meeting space versus the, the Brady Bunch on the screen. It's more about 80-20 this semester with about 20% of the students actually coming into the classroom and the rest participating on Zoom. And that class meets about every two to three weeks and going well. No complaints with that one. My other class is an undergraduate, I guess, intro seminar. That's been fun to be back in the classroom. Um, have got used to projecting and using my theater voice through my mask as, uh, you know, we've been we've been teaching class that way. But I, I have found that we've been able to do a lot of the, the same things that we normally would do, always asking students to make sure that they're okay with the level of comfort or what have you with keeping masks on or how close they need to be if we ask them to pair up or to do group work or things like that. And we have a large classroom, so that's worked out. But doing activities like Four Corners debates and Privilege Walk or things like that have, have worked out okay because of the, the size of the room. But there's sanitizer and all kinds of things everywhere uh, if students are asked to like, you know, if we use like the Center for Creative Leadership Visual Explorer cards or something like that, students are okay, like handling and sharing things as long as they're able to sanitize and what have you. Although some don't seem to really care uh, about some of those things and are just kind of back to old to old habits, but I'm always being staying mindful of that. Uh, with our department meetings, uh, we started the semester kind of in a hybrid mode after polling faculty to see how they wanted to meet during the fall. I'm still chair of my department, putting in my last year. Or as uh, as our, <laughs> our guest, Vincent Agutu said, you know, putting in my my last year of tour of service. Um, yes. I'll never forget that. <laughs> you know, thank you for your service. I can't wait to, to share that or to say that to, to somebody uh, that says they've just taken on a new administrative role. Um, Vincent was just, incredible. And that was. was just one of the gems he dropped during that episode. Yeah. So that was definitely a, definitely a joy to, to, to have him on and get to know him a little bit, a little bit better. And with that, dealing with remote work assignments with staff, and we joined a new college at our university this year. So this is our first academic year as part of our College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences. The college that we were a part of before that was dissolved as part of some university reorganization. Uh, what else is going on at our campus? Uh, our president is resigning effective at the end of the academic year. So we're in the midst of a presidential uh, search that will start up um, anytime here. So if you are a, a candidate looking to move to Portland, Maine, there is an opening for the <laughs> the president at a, at a booming uh, metropolitan campus. So, that would be so awesome. there's that. If someone heard that in our podcast episode and applied and got it. I know the, the post should be up any any time now because I know that they're they're getting all the reps that the you know the the contracts and the the mm -hmm. board the board uh what do they even call them board statutes or what have you say you know it has to be a certain number of faculty, a certain number of admins, certain number of board of trustees because it is uh, one of our seven public universities. So in the state of Maine. Uh, what else going on this semester? I'm in the, actively going up for promotion of full professor and keeping my fingers and toes crossed. Um, got a unanimous vote from the peer committee last month. And so now it's uh, it has gone. It's at the stage of the dean. <laughs> and awesome. then it goes from that stage to the provost and then to the president. My understanding is here in Maine, it doesn't have to go to the board of trustees. It, the buck stops with the president. So maybe that's the maybe that's the last promotion he signs off on. I hopeful hopefully on his way out. So well, he was um, a faculty favorite, right? So yeah, hopefully get it on yes, his desk for sure. Definitely no, yeah, no. Glenn Glenn Cummings has been has been great. Definitely beloved by the faculty, and that will be will be sad to to see him step down. Uh, although he's going to return to the return to the faculty, so he'll still be a colleague at the university, uh, but not not in our department. But uh, hopefully, still get a chance to. 
to work with him. Um, and yeah, no something in March or April. Uh, what else? Um, not being able to go to Ily in person again was disappointing, but uh, tough to travel outside of the U.S. for many, uh, many faculty at public universities and can't wait to reconnect with folks in 2022. If you're looking forward to conferences next year, the Association of Leadership Educators call for proposals just came out. So we're recording this in the middle of, of November here. So check your email or go on their site leadershipeducators.org for that. And I'm sure ILA's call for proposals will be out shortly. So yeah, I think that's kind of everything going on in, in our spaces. That's a lot. You got to leave you, if academically doing the most, you're up for promotion, you're chair of your department. I'm sure you'll be involved in the, the presidential search at some point. Um, you've got a lot happening. You're no slouch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, but the good thing is we have our podcast and I feel like it gives us an outlet to talk about, you know, leadership, talk about our teaching experience, um, talk about, you know, our work experience. I think it gives us a nice blend. Um, this semester, we looked at leadership from a global perspective. We got the chance to talk to some great um people from all over the world. Um, typically, we don't have a focus, meaning sometimes folks come from the US, sometimes folks come from outside. It really depends on the topic. But this semester, we were very intentional about featuring leadership folks from Europe, Africa, Australia, the Middle East, Asia. Um, I was personally striving to find somebody from Antarctica, and I'm still on that mission. And we're going to toss it in as like an extra episode if it ever comes to a fruition. But our intention was really to get around the world as best we could. And I think we did that this semester. Um, we wanted to continue conversations as if we were at, you know, a conference and we were able to talk to some amazing folks doing some good work. Um, we taught uh, focus on people who uh, taught leadership as or ran leadership programs outside of the United States. While most of them were based in other countries, there were a few that are currently living in the United States. Um, there are also three things that we wanted to highlight in this wrap up episode. Um, so where we'll start, and I think this person had a big impact on the both of us. Um, we had a great conversation, and from the first time we engaged and met with him, um, we really kind of were both sold. Um, so Dr. Vincent Ogutu was one of our more recent guests. Um, the first time we started recording, unfortunately, there was a, you know, a rare thunderstorm that caused the, the power and the internet to go out. And Vincent was so great because he was trying to record amid darkness and, 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 you know, questionable internet. And we said, you know what, one, we've had rain issues before, like we've had weather disrupt our recordings before. So let's, you know, not focus on that. We can reschedule, but we were so like engaged in the conversation. We couldn't wait to reschedule and have it. So we were able to redo it the next week. One of the things that Vincent shared was, you know, we are creating experiences um, for our students in the classroom. And then he said, you know, meaning is the biggest part of motivation, which was something that stood out to both of us. If you go back and listen to that episode, I think I comment on Dan's eyebrows raising and, you know, in his facial expression communicating, he's processing, but like he, he gets it right. Dan, is that what your experience was when, when Vince shared that gem? Yeah. I mean, it's just connected so well to, gosh, it feels like the last 12 to 15 years of, of developing and evolving as a, as a faculty member, as an educator, as a leadership educator, thinking back to, in fact, as we were putting together our notes for, for this episode, you know, I was pulling out gems from, uh, from Dr. Jim Eisen, who was my major professor back at University of South Florida, who, uh, 
him and his colleague uh, uh, Bonwell when he was at University of Tennessee, I think right just out of at a grad school for for him uh, early 90s, then they coined the term active learning, which I don't even know <laughs> was a thing or that I was learning from this particular person, you know, when I was a, a an early doctoral student, but we were, I was going to say ass, we were required <laughs> to read some of his work as part of his class. And he taught a seminar on college teaching, and then a course called Cognitive Issues and Instruction. And we looked so much at reflection, why it works, meaning making, why it's important in learning, and then also tying that to intrinsic and extrinsic motivation as a critical part of learning. And understanding that learners enter learning spaces with different levels of of motivation. Some are motivated to learn because of culture, you know, the way they were brought up, what have you, other innate things. Some are totally motivated just by earning an A or the aspect of just being in the classroom where others, sometimes it can take a lot more to, I guess, tug at any of the strings of of motivation, whether it be intrinsic or extrinsic. And one of the really interesting things about leadership education is how naturally, and I guess, integratively experiential and relevant it is to our learners, because we're talking about experiences that learners have had in leader or follower roles within their own contexts. And the more that we do that, the more relevant and the more activating or uh, impactful the learning experience is. And so you said what I've been experiencing for a dozen years mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and it was just this kind of an aha moment, which is, is even streamlined into some of the things that we've been thinking about as we look forward to, uh, to our season uh, in 2022. Yeah, you're 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 right. He did kind of we both had that aha moment with him for 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 similar and for different reasons. Like I know for me, my big takeaway was, um, you know, we're creating these experiences for students, but we also benefit from them as well. And so like some of my work looks at how do we continue to foster positive interactions, because we know those are the things that keep students engaged. They also keep instructors engaged in the classroom as well. If they're repeatedly, you know, we shared how we have moments where our students say, you know, hey, you know, what you talked about in class, I, I you know, took and, and did this at my job and it helped. Or, you know, you sharing this theory, that's my boss or that's my supervisor. And so, like, we, we both. I think talked a lot about how, you know, those important moments are helpful for leadership educators as much as they're helpful for the students. And so how can we continue to foster those? Um, Another thing we found with almost all of our guests was we found similarities regardless of question. So it didn't matter where they worked. They all wanted to do important work. They all were focused on incorporating good teaching practices, as well as um, looking at foundational leadership literature and how it it would be incorporated into their classrooms. And then just focusing not just on helping, you know, build students for the, or, or foster teach students in the future, but really focused on kind of their current experience and getting them to identify, you know, as a leader now, instead of waiting for a position or waiting for some imminent time in the future. Um, then was there anybody that stood out for you in terms of the similarities conversation? Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the questions and, and almost it was it <laughs> almost maybe even felt like a loaded question when we, mm-hmm. you know, I asked Azadeh because I had worked with her as a co-facilitator for the Leadership Education Academy and just knowing 
her and and her approach and and i think we asked this to several guests about like well what's unique or what's very specific to like how leadership is taught or learned or applied where you're you know either uh reflecting on a particular experience in azadeh's case it was when she was leading the the nutrition leadership program in iran before coming to the to the us and others you know were more were either more based in a particular country or were facilitating some type of learning abroad and she her response was something to the effect of it's uh, there's nothing that really sticks out we're all kind of in in the stew together of of leadership learning and we're more alike than we are different as as leadership learners um, and as leadership educators it's it's the context that really is important as you mentioned with with vincent it's you know it's making those experiences relevant and connecting to learners and incorporating good teaching practices into uh, facilitating some of those experiences and um, i think that while we may have kind of sought out looking for Easter eggs or or, or, <laughs> or something that was going to just kind of blow us away with respect to, oh, in this part of the world, they're teaching leadership like this and it's so different. Like, no, we're actually much more uh, alike in um, some of the foundational concepts, even across cultures and, and language and things like that, which I think in some ways was a little surprising because I know in conversations that I've had with folks at like ILA conferences and things where... Uh, conversations I've had with researchers that have tried to use certain assessments or uh, scales to survey uh, leaders across cultural boundaries and, and what have you that they talk about the word leadership not really translating a certain way or certain things and and I found that it you know really does come down to like how do you motivate individuals anywhere on the globe what gets people motivated to make an impact on their on their local communities or what's important to them and just learning about the different stories of how uh, individuals facilitated this type of learning and made connections I think was uh, was the most interesting and kind of rewarding part of the season I agree I also would add that all of the of the in talking to the guests their intentions were good but none of them could predict the outcomes of their programs and and behind all of it was you know I know this is helpful you know I've read a lot about this or I've I've talked to people about this and I know if I put this into play I can create something that I can continually review and assess and adjust I think you know Neil talked a lot about that with his work with businesses in Ireland as well as um, Kelly and Eric in their work with international youth leadership programs. And so for everyone, there were those things where it was kind of like, just kind of get out there and do it and then make sure you're evaluating it as you go. Um, the other thing I, I thought was important was the activities. There were quite a few guests who shared activities. So we said kind of, how do you teach this in your classroom? And the activities, we, we could instantly follow up and say, yeah, it's similar to something that we do. Kind of here's our version of that. So one example, I talked about you know my students trying to get them to understand culture a little bit better. I had them go to different parts of our campus where there were specific specific either schools or um, units associated with that space. And I said, go sit there and just observe, you know, and, and it was something that someone else had suggested. And I'm like, oh yeah, well, we kind of did something like that. And so there were a lot of good ideas, not just about, you know, resources, but also about how to teach some of the concepts that they were teaching in our, in our, um, our interviews or our, yeah. our conversations. Yeah, and I remember uh, too when we were working with Nathan and Katrina, and they were talking about putting together that Indigenous Business Leadership Program and the program design process that they went through. That was a really funny 
exchange. If you all want to go back and listen to, to that episode, if you haven't already, it was just really hubris to, 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 to hear them talk about, you know, as we always say, how the sausage is made and how they were, you know, not, not willing, they were, they had to make certain concessions as they were designing that program and it had to be a certain way. And they had to really uh, throw out assumptions that they had about how a program might work. Um, and what they ended up with was uh, well, a beautifully designed program that is extremely unique in the field. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe this is the outlier, I don't know, because thinking about the indigenous populations in Australia, and we did allude to in, in that episode about you know what might other leadership programs in other parts of the globe that um, are in places that there's some integration between, you know, indigenous peoples and settlers or, or colonists. Um, mm-hmm. uh, correct. But, you know, I, I think that it sometimes it takes programs like that to go out on a limb and, and, and be innovative. Um, and others can certainly learn from, from their successes as well as, as their trials and tribulations. I agree. Yeah. There were some, some really key lessons and I'll ask you, like, as I, we end every episode, Dan, is there anything else that we didn't talk about <laughs> that maybe you want to talk about in either a future episode or want to end today's episode with? Um, oh my goodness. Never thought you'd ask. Um, you know, I, I just think that leadership education, I think it's, it, it, it it's about context. You know, it's interesting because you know, Barbara Kellerman has been writing over the, the last few years about, you know, leadership, it's a, it's a system, you know, not a person. And I think previously I kind of said, well, you know, leadership is a process, you know, not a person or an individual, but I think, you know, I think processes and systems have, have a lot of similarities. And as I think about how systems, you know, have to be, you know, adaptive to their, to their surroundings, to their stakeholders, to the individuals that are part of the, the organization, the leaders and the followers, that something just unique about leadership education and each of the guests' contexts that really, really demonstrated how adaptive their context um, is linked to the study and practice of leadership globally. It's all about making things relevant and adapting the curriculum and the learning experiences to, to students' emotions and, and getting them connected and getting them motivated so that they can make that, make that meaning and to come full circle to the conversation we were having earlier about, uh, about Vincent. Yeah, what a what a wonderful point to to end this wrap up episode on. We want to thank everybody for joining us today. We're grateful for your time and leadership, and want to wish you the best of luck as you finish the semester and celebrate your winter holidays. Happy holidays, y'all! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Leadership Educator Podcast. Remember, you can download all our episodes on all available podcast platforms. And when you go, please make sure you rate us five stars, as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. That's right, Lauren. We also invite you to interact with us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod. That's L E A D E D U C A T O R P O D. And on LinkedIn by searching for the Leadership Educator Podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn by name. And on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura J-B. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management.
And a wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies now at the University of South Carolina. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our listeners. During the season, you will hear episodes featuring International Leadership Association members working globally to drive leadership education. Visit ilaglobalnetwork.org slash podcast for more information and to join the association. And finally, this podcast would not be possible without our chief partner, the Association of Leadership Educators. Please check out the ALE and all it has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you will listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.